Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome to Manna for Breakfast. We are going to be looking into today... 2 Kings 5 and 6, and we'll be looking into 1 Corinthians 13, the famous chapter on love. So <clears throat> get ready for those, find them in your Bibles. But first, before we get started, let's look at this uh, this day in history uh, for a minute or two. The Mona Lisa was stolen on August 21st, 1911. The famous painting was stolen from the Louvre. Pablo Picasso was implicated in the theft Interesting, a very famous painter, but was eventually exonerated. The thief turned out to be Louvre, Louvre, an employee, an employee uh, who stole the painting by entering the building during the regular hours, hiding in a broom closet, then walking out with the painting under his coat. The theft was not discovered until the following day. Hmm. Uh, he was a patriot that believed the Leonardo's painting should have been returned to the Italian Museum after having kept the Mona Lisa in his apartment for two years. Two years? Wow. He was caught when he attempted to sell it to the director of the Sutton Gallery in Florence. He served six months in prison for the crime and was hailed for his patriotism to Italy. Never knew it was stolen. August 21st, 1858, Abraham Lincoln in a debate with Stephen Douglas uh, again states this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. He had earlier said that, quote, a month earlier when he was running for the, the party, but this really galvanized him and um, first presidency, I guess, or, or helped end slavery to a large degree. And Mars Orbiter lost August 21st, 1993. Yesterday we just read about the first orbiter that landed in 1972, I think. I'm trying to remember. Um, NASA lost contact with the $813 million Mars Observer. The spacecraft had been scheduled to arrive on Mars on the 24th. It is believed that a fuel line ruptured, causing the loss of power. The most probable cause of the failure was a rupture in the fuel pressurized side of the spacecraft's propulsion system, causing the spacecraft to spin and to erode the um, electrical circuits. Mm. This is a sad one. I saw a documentary on this one. 1,700 people killed by toxic gases in the Cameroon. The gases were from a volcanic lake. And as these gases were bubbling up from coming up through around the lake because of this volcano, there was a very deadly gas that was laid very, very close to the ground. It was only about uh, six inches off the ground. And what they found was everybody who slept on the ground died, but those who were elevated on their beds survived. And people were wondering, they woke up with all these, you know, the families and they were, they were crying. And for a long time, they were trying to figure out why some lived and some died. But anyone who was high enough missed the gas. So, so sad. Obviously, it's a very, um, I guess, that, that would, uh, you'd breathe in and I guess just, just kept slowly put you in a deep coma and then died. Well, on this day, on 1959, Hawaii becomes the 50th state. 1959, August 
21st. Hawaii is as old as I am. Interesting. I didn't know that. Became the 50th state. Well, there you go. We will look into the word of God now. Let's pray. We'll be getting into 2 Kings 5. Father God, thank you for this morning. And we ask you to guide us as we look into your word and that you would continue to show us things maybe we've never seen before, even though we know your word, many of us, and know these stories. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man in the view of his master, an eminent, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but afflicted with leprosy. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, The girl who is from the land of Israel spoke such and such. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, And now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. But when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to keep alive? that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of leprosy? But consider now and see how he was seeking to quarrel against me. Now it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and he sent word to the king saying, Why did you tear your clothes? Just have him come to me and he shall learn that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and stood at the doorway of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away. And he said, Behold, I thought he will certainly come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over over the side and cure the leprosy. Or Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, not better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in his rage. Then his servants approached and spoke to him, saying, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according with the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. 15. Then he returned to the man of God with all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant now. But he said, As surely as the Lord lives, before whom I serve, I will not accept anything. And he urged him to keep it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let your servant be given two mules, load of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings nor sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Regarding this matter, may the Lord forgive your servant 
when my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my hand to bow down in the house of Rimon. And when I bow down in the house of Rimon, may the Lord please forgive your servant in this matter. He said to him, Please go. So he went some distance from him. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, Behold, my master has spared this Naaman the Aramean by not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is everything well? And he said, Everything is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, just now two young women of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. Naaman said, Be sure to take two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of clothing and gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them before him. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said to your servant, Went nowhere. And he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to accept money and to accept clothes, olive oil, vineyards, sheep, ox, mule, and female slaves? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence afflicted with leprosy as white as snow. <laughs> well, there's a lesson for you. If you're working for a prophet, don't think that you can profit off of him <laughs> and do things he's not going to know about. Okay, bad use of a pun. But don't think that you can, um, <laughs> I should say, don't think you can profit off a of prophet. Uh, you cannot do things behind the back of one who has who has the eyes of the Lord upon the, who's upon all the earth, and, and God is always revealing things to you. Gehazi got greedy, and how sad, how sad when he was being used in such a powerful way to be a minister alongside Elisha. Now, it makes me wonder what his relationship was afterwards and how Elisha used him or not. Very interesting that he received the very infirmity that Naaman had had. And uh, it's a dangerous thing. The thing is, is that when God is using us, we're not to become greedy and profit off of it. Obviously, the Bible says um, a laborer is worthy of his wages, and we have that. You have to eat, you have to survive. But this, this guy was looking to get rich. A talent was a lot. It was a huge amount. It was 70 pounds or something. I don't remember what a talent weighed, but it was a lot. And so this was way outside of what he should have done. Now, Naaman, interesting, what his healing, the whole the whole occasion. Uh, you could not be healed of leprosy. It's an incurable disease even today. There's drugs that control it. And as long as you take the drugs, you won't have it. But if you go off the drugs, it will flare up. And, of course, leprosy becomes a type for us in the Bible of of how sin is always trying to slowly eat a, eat away at you. And you slowly become numb to the things that you're doing when you're involved in sin and you slowly wither away and die. It's a very horrible disease. 
But he goes to the man of God and notice that he's very incensed that Elisha won't come out and meet him. Remember the, the captains of the 50 that go to Elijah and says, hey, the king says, get over here now. You know, and they come and command him, I got 50 soldiers, I'm going to beat you up if you don't come. And Elijah says, hey, if I'm a prophet of God, let fire come down and consume you. And boom, they're dead. So again, with the thing, the, the issue was, if you're going to come and ask something of a prophet of God, of Yahweh, you're asking of Yahweh himself. You're coming into his presence to ask him of something. You better come reverently. You better come realizing who he is and come humbly. So Elisha doesn't come out to meet him because he is not going to allow this big official, this commander, to command authority and somehow think he could command the God of Israel to do something for him. So he simply says, go wash. And what's amazing to me is that he still is healed with that attitude. But he says, go and wash. And so he says, well, of course, I got better rivers. We got cleaner water. And uh, what's the Jordan? Well, it's not the water. It's the God over the water, the God who's control. And so he goes in and washes seven times the number of completeness and comes up completely healed. And, of course, that's it's a beautiful it's an illustration of the, the washing of the water of the word to cleanse us from the leprosy of sin that so slowly is killing us and um, making us desensitized to the things of the world. And we see this beautiful restoration. Now, what does he do? He says, now I know that this is you're the only God. And this is one of the most beautiful, I, I think the most accurate response to somebody who experiences the God of Israel. You don't see this much in the Bible, but this guy says, whoa, you know what? I've encountered a real God, not these false demons that try and pass off as gods. This is the real God. He was instantly healed. And so he says, I will only ever worship you. But he's, again, he is servant to his master, and he has to do what his master wants him to do. So what he wants to do, he wants to take two, <laughs> two big containers full of dirt back with his mules. Why? Because they believed the gods were local. They believed the gods were local over certain areas of the earth. And so he thought, well, if I bring the dirt with me, I'm bringing Yahweh with me. And I'm going to keep this dirt next to me. And I'll worship Yahweh on my own in private. But when I have to go into the house of Rimnon, you know, Lord, forgive me. And so he acknowledges that. Could he have denied going to the house of Rimnon, surrendered his life up to his master, and being a martyr? Probably. But God allowed it. It's just interesting how these things work in the Bible. So he does that. And he becomes a true believer through all of this. Great story. Chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, The Excellence of Love. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. 
does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there are knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think as a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13 has even been mentioned by secular writers and poets to be the greatest of all literature written, the greatest of all poems, the greatest of all uh, truths that is written. There's huge respect for this chapter, even amongst non-believers, because of the depth of truth that it is speaking about. And it is in reference to the gifts. That's why it's right there. It's right in between uh, 12 and 14. Speaking of the spiritual gifts within the church. And Paul puts it there so that we get the understanding that the most important thing in the church is love. And we are not to get carried away with all of these other things. But we are to simply focus on love, and of course, here is an agape love. This is a love that it thinks of others, not just yourself. It is a, it's a, the gift of love within the church itself, but it can be applied um, perfectly to husband and wife. It is also applying there. Renee and I, when we did our premarital counseling, we were uh, we had to memorize First Corinthians thirteen, and I'm sure I did for about five minutes after we worked on it. I think I was able to say the whole thing. You know, it's hard to. You get about more than halfway through, and then you kind of confuse the verses a little bit. But we, we did it, and we worked on it. And there are good things to, to remind us when we do that, that it's patient, that it's kind, that it doesn't look out for its own. You think about the other person. You remember that, that you can't always have things the way you want them. And that we're supposed to think of others as better than ourselves. And, um, and, and then he, he basically says, look, guys, if you, if you think that tongues... And you're clamoring in tongues. You think that's something phenomenal and great. He says, you know, you can have, you can have all the gifts of tongues, and and make all kinds of noise. But if you don't have love, you're just noisy. You're just a gong. It's it's nothing. And this was going on in the church. It still goes on today. There are a lot of people that have services where everybody's talking in tongues. Everybody's they call it their prayer language which isn't even in the Bible, but they, they all are clamoring in tongues at the same time. And yet, there can be very, there can be a lot of factions and a lot of backbiting, a lot of things going on in the church, and a lot of things sinful going on in the church, same as First Corinthians church, the Corinth church. So we're encouraged to keep things in perspective. Love people, respect people, Try and think of them as better than yourself. Tough, we're in a narcissistic society, but see them as precious in God's eyes. And close your mouth, <laughs> open your heart. Probably 
before you uh, at least open open your mouth open your heart first and let god work through that let the 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 holy spirit be expressed through your heart so now august 21st night of weeping joyous day for his anger endureth but a moment and his favor in life weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning a moment under our father's anger seems to be very long and yet it is for a moment after all if we grieve his spirit we cannot look for his smile but he is a god ready to pardon and he soon puts aside all remembrance of our faults when we faint and are ready to die because of his frown his favor puts new life in us this verse has another note of a semi quaver kind our weeping night soon turns into joyous day brevity is the mark of mercy in the hour of chastisement of believers the lord loves not to use the rod on his chosen he gives a blow or two and it's all over yes for the life and for joy which follows the anger and the weeping more than make amends for the sultry sorrow. Come, my heart, begin with hallelujah. Weep not all through the night, but weep thine eyes in anticipation of the morning. These tears are dues, which mean as much good as the sunbeams of the morrow. Tears clear the eyes for the sight of God and his grace and make the vision of his favor more precious. The night of sorrow supplies those shades of the pictures by which the highlights are brought out in distinction. All is well. Hmm. Good, good saying. Father God, thank you for the, this morning, thank you for showing us how much you do love us. Now you do bring us joy in the morning. Weeping comes at night, but there is great joy in the morning. We thank you for the times we've all been there. We've wept. We've seen our sorrow. We've seen things that have happened to people we love. We've been emotionally distraught, but you have come over us in the morning and given us joy. You've come and changed it. We thank you for changing our sorrow for joy. We thank you for giving us gifts. We thank you for teaching us about love. We thank you for showing us in our in our Bibles the incredible uh, way that you work within the, what would we call it, the world, the way that you work within the realm of men and how you care about those that need healing and that you care about justice and righteousness and that you work miracles in marvelous ways and that people come to know you in the most profound ways, that you can reach out and heal a person that was really an enemy of Israel and yet even a Gentile and yet bring them to an understanding of who you are, that they come and their life is transformed. This is the God we serve. We thank you for that, God. And we thank you for your continued healing upon those that need it today, those that are looking for it. Thank you for those that went out the evangelism team, uh, this young, uh, two young people that were talked to that have questions that want to know more. This homosexual that said he was looking for actually a way out. I wanted to know God, but didn't thought there were many gods and did, couldn't understand how Jesus could be the only God, but, but wanted answers, but looking for something. God, touch him. Help them, show them your love and your grace today. Thank you for loving us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.